You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hi, welcome to Catholic Saints. My name is Mary McGeehan, and I am joined with Dr. Carl Venestrom, professor here at the Augustan Institute. Thanks for joining. Very glad to be here. We are diving into another episode of Catholic Saints where we're looking at the saints for inspiration for our lives, uh, looking to them for wisdom and inspiration for holiness today. So today we're going to talk about Saints Joachim and Anne. Their feast day is on July 26. What can you tell us about some biographical sketch of who these saints are and what we know about them? Yeah, so uh, these are the uh, grandparents of Jesus. So, uh, the parents of Mary. Okay. So, okay. Uh, the Blessed Virgin. Um, and so, we know about them. If you've read the New Testament, you'll know that we don't know about them from the New Testament. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Saints Joachim and Anne do not appear in, in the gospel narratives. Um, hmm. But the their sort of first appearance in the tradition of the church is in a document called the Proto-Evangelium of James. So this is supposed to have been written by James, the, the cousin of, of, of Jesus. Um, and it describes uh, their, their marriage and the, the circumstances surrounding the birth of Mary, okay. as, as well as it's uh, a kind of um, commentary also on the birth of Jesus and how it happens. So it sort of expands uh, certain points where the gospels are silent. Okay. Go ahead. This this isn't the apostle James though, or is it the the person who wrote this? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's who it's traditionally assigned to. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So uh, it is an interesting question because um, it's probably written in the second century, so it's still very early. Yeah. Um, but uh, the ascription to James is kind of loose, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And but, it, using within it is where we get the tradition and what the source of where we know the most about um, the parents of, of Blessed Virgin Mary. That's right, yeah. And so the, the basic story uh, surrounding Joachim and Anne is familiar from the Old Testament in a lot of ways. And actually, Anne is uh, a transliteration of a sort of the name Hannah from Mm. the Old Testament. Obviously, Hannah is the mother of Samuel. Um, This is an interesting point we can kind of reflect on as we work through this story. Um, But like a lot of Old Testament stories, the the story of Joachim and Anne is one of uh, the inability to produce a child. So there's an inf- infertility that's this this problem in their family. And at, at one point, uh, at one point, Joachim, who's a, a rather wealthy man, is going to offer a particular sacrifice in the temple and is told that he's like the only uh, man in Israel who doesn't have a son. And so this causes him great distress uh, and he 
he goes out into the wilderness and fasts for 40 days. And at the same time, uh, Anne is also praying for a, for a child. They've, they've, I, I think their, their marriage was 20 years without, without any children. Wow. Okay. Um, and so they both sort of offer to God that, uh, that they will, if they're able to have a child, that they will offer this child in service of God. Just like Hannah uh, mm-hmm. promises to offer her, her child, who ends up being Samuel, to the service of God. Interesting. Yeah. And so then um, they come back together, and there's this realization of their, their, their promise to God and their hope and their request. So Anne becomes pregnant and gives birth to Mary. And so uh, then... When Mary turns three, they actually present her in the temple. So hmm. she's offered uh, to live in the temple, and so she's accompanied by angels all the time and grows in wisdom. Okay. Um, Was it – I know we know in the life of Jesus, Joseph and Mary presented Jesus, you know, the presentation in the temple. Is that customary, you know, even for – the female, like the female babies in tradition, or was it in particular, you know, within the vocation of um, Anne and Joachim? It was unique that they presented their child, yeah. particularly um, a yeah. young g- girl. A girl, yeah, yeah. This is this this is unique, and especially the idea of her uh, as like a resident in the temple okay. would have been incredibly mm-hmm. unusual. But it mirrors in many ways the the story of Samuel. Of Samuel. Yep. Um, yeah, and there are int- there are a lot of interesting parallels between the life of the child Mary and the life of the child Jesus, including, mm-hmm. um, or at least in the sort of infancy narrative. So uh, this scene when when Joachim and Anne meet after their prayers to God is often depicted in the sort of artistic tradition of the church okay. uh, in the same way that the, the visitation uh, when, when, when Mary and Cousin Elizabeth meet. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are these are these are parallel events. Like they're not perfectly parallel, right? But it's kind of more interesting yeah. that they're not perfectly parallel. Right. And then the, obviously the presentation of Mary in the temple, her parents sort of offering her as a sacrifice, which which Joachim had not been able to offer before. Uh, his sacrifice was refused. So then uh, uh, an ultimate kind of sacrifice is offered by both Joachim and Anne with, okay. in the person of Mary. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And, and just curious, do, is it tradition that Mary grew up in the temple? Or? Yeah. So she she lived there until she was 12. That's how, this, okay. how the story That's goes. Nice. Yeah. And then um, at that point in time, uh, because of temple purity laws, uh, it wasn't uh, – possible for her to stay in the temple. So she left and uh, she was obviously a very special person. And so uh, she needed to be married uh, as was customary. But um, uh, this is also where we kind of get the doctrine of the perpetual virginity of Mary. Um, So her marriage was not according to this story, ever intended to be um, a marriage which produced more children. or which involves sexual acts, but uh, so sh- she was given by lot to Joseph, who is an elderly man whose wife had died mm-hmm. and who had had children. So there, there's sort of different traditions about Joseph, but this is the yeah. one that's um, handed down in this in this text. Fascinating. Um, it's also yeah. neat how within this tradition, once again, how intentionally God the Father, even divinely 
you know, provided so specifically for Jesus's mom and for his grandparents, just like a very um, pure and set apart um, story, you know, that's very unique. Uh, just how intentional God, God's handwriting is in the lineage of Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And it, in that way, really beautifully reflects uh the whole sort of heritage uh, that leads to Jesus that we get in in the Gospel of Matthew and the in the genealogies, like yeah, those genealogies are like pretty straightforward in Matthew, but contained are all these like wild stories yes, uh, yeah. with these miraculous births and uh, twists and turns and and yes. un- unexpected happenings that 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 lead ultimately to Christ to Christ, yeah. right? Another question I have is since the the tradition, you know, I'm assuming it's not from scripture. How as Catholics do we um, take this source of information for truth or, you know, validity or not? Like how do you categorize this document um, and how as Catholics do we receive this type of tradition? Yeah, this is a good question. <clears throat> and there are, you know, just like uh, with Joachim and Anne, this the story itself has sort of twists and turns in the tradition. So, yeah, in the fifth century, there's even a, a pope in Rome who speaks like very negatively about this text and says people should reject it. Okay, um, and but it was received very enthusiastically by others, um, and so it's a little difficult. Maybe if you just like look at the text itself and maybe sort of like look at the historical scholarship that's been applied to it. It's like, okay, so it comes a little later. Um, and obviously it's not scripture. It was never accepted as scripture itself by by anyone. Um, but I think we can, we, we don't look at the text by itself. We don't look at, at any sort of like datum in the tradition mm-hmm. in a kind of vacuum. And so one way to look at this text uh, would be through like the, Church's liturgical tradition. Okay. And so we have uh, major Marian feasts in our calendar that ultimately derive from this text. Um, I mean, these feasts derive from sort of the truth of the sort of mystery, which is contained in Mary, but the sort of first instance of these teachings com- comes in this text. So we have the Feast of the Immaculate Conception um, on December 8th. Uh, often or at least sometimes confused for the conception of Jesus, right? Uh, The Immaculate Conception rather refers to the birth of Mary. Um, Always a good Catholic trivia. Yeah, always a good, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, And so this is the doctrine uh, that that Mary was conceived without without original sin, um, which was contested. But uh, if you want to look at, uh, if you want to look for this doctrine in sort of like seed form, you can find okay. it in the Proto-Evangelium of James. Um, the Nativity of Mary on September 8th, those go together December 8th, uh, September 8th. Uh, this is this is at least the first sort of um, textual uh, indication of that. And then the, pres- okay. the presentation of Mary on September 20, September 24th. I mean, sorry, November 21st um, would also have its origin in this text. And so Mm -hmm. I think like with with that kind of in mind, if we're sort of taught the truths of the faith by the church calendar and by these feasts that um, we can have a a kind of 
optimism and confidence in this text itself. Yeah. Um, it's not like itself a sort of binding document. But, right. But, okay. but given those factors, I think like it's reasonable to yeah to read it with piety and trust. I guess. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And yeah. in in unity with sacred tradition, um, it's one piece that kind of corroborates the tradition of the church and how they yeah. have honored Mary and her parents. Exactly. Well. Yeah. Yeah. That and we want to like a- avoid just reading it, but just reading it by itself. Because then it gets kind of distorted. Like yeah. some scholars would say like, oh, the emphasis on virginity shows that it's from these like uh, sort of Gnostic or like uh, heterodox uh, groups that were outside of the church. And it's like, well, I guess like if you just look at it like by itself without mm-hmm. without any other uh, context, like, yeah, it's, yep. it starts to look like kind of bizarre. But I think within yeah. the, yeah, the breadth of the tradition, this is a, a very fruitful. Sure. Uh, you also mentioned they're, they're often depicted in sacred or in art. Um, are there particular pieces or artists that you would recommend I go look up? And is yeah. there anything like consistent in the art that we have come to um, assign as true and likely about um, mm. Anne and Joachim? Yeah. So uh, there's the scene when they meet um, at the Golden Gate in Jerusalem. I think this is on the west side of Jerusalem uh, of, of, of the old old walls. Um, and this is depicted by an artist named Giotto, who's a medieval artist. And he did a whole cycle of this kind of life of Mary. Um, and th- this, the actual tradition itself, or at least the actual text itself was lost in the West for a long time and was sort of like brought back in the medieval period. Um, and so then the artistic depictions of all these events so, sort of blossom. Um, so he, mm-hmm. he has that, he has the visitation, he has the, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, he has the, he has the presentation and the, the nativity. Um, and these all have interesting sort of artistic parallels to then his depictions of like the nativity of Christ or the presentation of Christ in the temple. And so one interesting thing uh, with the meeting at the Golden Gate is that there's this kiss between them, which parallels like the the, the greeting of, of Mary and Elizabeth. Oh, um, sweet. Yeah, yeah, and like kind of like I said before, it's like it, in a way, it's kind of nice. The parallel is not perfect, even if we think yeah. about like um, it rhymes. Yeah, it rhymes. Yeah, exactly. And the same thing is true with like this thinking about Hannah and Anne, which is just Hannah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the song of Hannah shares, or I guess it's the opposite. The Mary's Magnificat shares a lot in common with the Song of Hannah after the birth mm-hmm. of, uh, or preceding the birth of Samuel. Samuel. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hannah and Anne are sort of like the two comparisons, but also Hannah and Mary. So um, you can think about, actually, there's a rich way to think about the um, uh, correspondence of Samuel and Mary uh, with with Samuel being the prophet who anoints the king of Israel, uh, uh, David, and then with with Mary, whose uh, conception and birth of 
Christ is kind of an anointing. He emerges as a king, right, mm -hmm. uh, f from a prophet. So, like, their kinship is even, like, obviously much closer than that of Samuel and David. But right. there is this kind of parallel. That parallel. Thank you. I yeah. wasn't aware of that. Anyways, that's a little away from the artwork. <laughs> well, scriptural but, exegesis. Yeah, but, you. yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think I, uh, this was sort of the first time I thought about that parallel because I'd always thought about Hannah and Mary together mm -hmm. as a kind of pair. But, yeah. yeah, interesting. Well, we know the Saints Joachim and Anne, they're the patrons of grandparents. Um, and then Anne is the patron saint of unmarried women, housewives, women in labor, mothers, and childless couples. Um, are there other, other things or legacies today of these saints that mm. um, you would recommend or other details about their lives I guess, you'd like to share? Yeah, I guess one thing to just reflect on as you, as you think about their story is um, that there was this thing they had wanted their whole lives, which was, or their whole marriage, which was to have a child, and mm -hmm. that had been denied them. Um, but once they are able to have a child, uh, they immediately, or after three years, like, I, I was just talking about my three-year-old, like, I'm sure Mary is a better three-year-old than my three-year-old. <laughs> Maybe once you have a three-year-old, you want to give it away to a temple. I don't know. But um, Dr. No. Benerson's <laughs> three-year-old is adorable. <laughs> uh, no, but it's what they'd wanted for so long, and they immediately – uh, they immediately give it up. So uh, if you think mm -hmm. of only mm -hmm. within sort of their own story, like the arc is toward uh, toward uh, the final accomplishment of this goal or this wish and it being fulfilled to have this child. Um, but it's part of like this much larger story. And so yeah. to offer up uh, their own desire and their own wish for their own life becomes instrumental mm -hmm. in, in, in salvation history. So I think... Mm -hmm. That, that's kind of helpful thing to to remember with our much smaller sacrifices often that that the the small story is the small story and the big story is the big story so um beautiful useful to keep in mind yeah but. no thank you that is a, a beautiful reminder of what they were desiring for so long and then in the gift and reception of it they immediately offered it back mm -hmm. um in service or to the father and to god so yeah Wonderful. Um, well, thank you. That yeah. was very interesting. Um, if you'd like to uh, see some of the art depicted about Saints Joachim and Anne, we'll add it into the captions so you can visually uh, come to life some of what we shared about today. Um, so thank you so much for joining great. us. Yeah, and very happy. Saints Joachim and Anne, pray, pray for, for us. us. Thanks for joining. Thanks. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustine Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, eBooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustine Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.